We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You are listening to The Uncontested an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you download your podcasts and at bluewirepods.com. We got the whole gang together today. 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 We got the whole gang together today. We have Taylor. What's up? Uh, Justin's here. Yeehaw! We have Nick. What it do, baby? And call me R sitting right next to me. Just got done taking a nap. He also <laughs> has a monocle and a pipe, like an old grandpa pipe. It's a corn cob pipe, you see here. And myself, I'm Jacob. Uh, thank you guys for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Untuck It. We'll talk a little bit more about them later. But gentlemen, we got a, a lot to chat about. The Thunder only played two games this past week. Um, and they went one and one, and I think most of us predicted last week that they would go one and one, but we Just got the games. <laughs> yeah, we got the games <laughs> flip flopped. We thought they would beat Philly. Sorry, beat Indiana, lose to Philly. Uh, they got their damn brains beat in by Indiana, and then came out and beat Philly, who's one of the better teams in the league. So, before we we jump into any of these other Thunder thoughts. What do you guys think about that that Philly game? We haven't talked since they played Philadelphia, and they won that overtime thriller. Uh, so just what are your thoughts, your feelings? Uh, uh, how was the game? That was, it, or, 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 that was like one of the most fun games I think I've watched 
dating all the way back to last year. Uh, it was just something that was just kind of brought back like old memories of watching the younger Thunder teams for whatever reason. Yep. Um, I, probably because they were a team coming in as the underdog uh, without the ex- without the expectations, as we've mentioned a lot over the, the early start to the, or the beginning of the season. Um, and so it was really cool to see them come in and just really shock us and just play a great, solid game of basketball uh, all around from top to bottom and to see them come out and beat what many consider to be the, the probably the best team in the East outside, I guess, of the Celtics so far this season, which was just really fun. Yeah, I think it was it was good for the team. I mean, it's a it's a game that really showed them, hey, we can hang with anybody. I think it's good for the fan base. I think, you know, overall, just the chemistry of the team and a win like that is just is, is something that can maybe spark plug a, you know, a, a mini win streak. It's kind of unfortunate that Oklahoma City is going into a West Coast road trip from hell but um overall i think it's 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 just good for the fan base good for the team and it's it's awesome to see i think it showed in drastic comparisons kind of what this team has been on the road versus at home the pacers game on the road they looked awful top to bottom but especially some of the younger guys and i think that's that's been a key so far this season is seeing what the young guys do at home versus on the road and just how much more comfortable they feel in Oklahoma city and none more comfortable than Sir Darius Baisley dunking on top of Joel Embiid. Oh, not just that dunking, <laughs> double clutch, <laughs> double dunking. clutch. Yeah. That you was know, incredible. You know, Russ was sitting on his couch in Houston watching that one with a smile on his face. <laughs> I thought it was a really fun game to watch because me and Jake were at the peak and uh, it was kind of going back and forth. Kind of frustrating to watch Shea Gilgis Alexander kind of struggle to score, uh, but it seemed like after the game, Chris Paul mentioned they'd let me hoop, which I'm very curious about that statement about what that really means because Chris took a lot of those mid range jumpers that he's typically really good at, one of those, those turnaround mid rangers, and uh, he's just very excited about that. But also, I mean, Terrence Ferguson um, had the custody battle, and that's one of the reasons why he wasn't – that is the reason why he wasn't in Indiana. And then it comes out with his daughter at the game, and this man hits, like, what, six of seven from three or five of six or five of seven from three and just, like, just has the game, not of his career, but just that's what you want from Ferg. A, playing great defense, which he did for the most part, and then B, just knocking down threes and, like, I guess there were a couple times when he wasn't going to th- well, shoot the three when he was wide open, at the, especially at the top of the perimeter, and Steve yelled at him to shoot, and he just said, well, fuck it. He said, okay. So he shot let it. Let it fly. He let it fly, and it's like everything was going in. It was, and it was the kind of baskets that, like, they just hit the very back of the iron, and they just, like, shoot down. Like, those, that's the kind of stuff with the, a lot of rotation on it, not the kind of stuff that just kind of, like, swishes around that, you know, there's not a lot of rotation. So he was just on it. It was, it was exciting to see. You mentioned yeah, I those, was... those Chris Paul comments. I've, I found those interesting also. What's your guys' take on that? Sorry, Jacob. I didn't mean to cut They're you fine. off. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's hard to kind of read into that, especially so early on in the season. Like, is it a slight? Like, they're not letting him play his game. Is it uh, uh, meant to, to be shot at his teammates, at his coach? Like, it's for me, it's really hard to read into right now, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, it definitely. There was a part of me who thought maybe, you know, he's still fired up. But he, was, he was super competitive, had a great game. Um, so he, the moment kind of thing, quickly during a post-game interview, he's just saying, yeah, like I had it going tonight, so my teammates just let me kind of do it. But then there's another part of me that wonders, like, is he talking load management type stuff? Like, 
Billy let him play more. That's kind of what I wondered. Yeah. Like he, a yeah, minute's he, he restriction He played more in the fourth thing. quarter. Um, he played 38 minutes, which granted, wow. you know, that it went to overtime, so that number's inflated. But Fair. the Indiana game, he played 25 minutes, I think. And so just, I mean, obviously he didn't play a lot in that second half because they were getting absolutely destroyed. But that, that was kind of where my head went was, a, you know, an overall kind of trying to make sure our most valuable trade asset doesn't get hurt kind of move. Right. <laughs> where I took it. It just made me think of, like, Shea Gilgis Alexander. He didn't have the ball as much in his hands as much as CP3 did, and I feel like uh, when he says, oh, they let me play my game, the the game was more centered around Chris, and he got a lot more minutes than he would usually get, and I feel like he just was able to have the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, I wish they did that with Danilo Gallinari so they could showcase him a little more, but he – He's very um, efficient, so he doesn't need that many minutes on the floor as Chris Paul does to show what he has. Because I looked over at Jake and I mentioned, I was like, hey, you know, this Chris Paul, he's like averaging 15 points a game. Like this, him averaging 15 and like five is not going to up his trade value. And all of a sudden this man, you know, like scores 20-something, has however many assists. So that's the kind of things they're going to need to do with Chris in order to up his trade value so they can get him off the team. Yeah, and and – Kind of back to what you guys were saying about, you know, maybe Chris having the ball more in his hands, that that minute restriction type thing. I think that all kind of also plays into, in this 76ers game, uh, Schroeder played 25 minutes. Terrence Ferguson played 39, 14 minutes more. Ferguson closed the game, and he played all of the overtime. Now, I don't know which one it is. Is it because Schroeder played... Poorly, shooting three of nine from the field, 0 of five from three, uh, four assists, two turnovers, only eight points on nine shots in 25 minutes. And when Ferguson played really well, seven of nine from the field, 19 points. Is it because of that? And so the Thunder went with a two-guard lineup instead of that three-point guard lineup. And we've seen in that three-point guard lineup, they like to let Schroeder handle the ball. Or was it a size matchup thing with Philly? where you needed the size of Ferguson and the length of Ferguson over Dennis Schroeder because, I mean, if, if you had Schroeder out there, the, the closest matchup size-wise for him is Josh Richardson, which isn't a good matchup for him. So it, it's kind of interesting. I don't think we – I don't know what the answer is. Did they did they bench Schroeder down the stretch and into overtime because of a size matchup or because Ferguson was playing better and because of that, Schroeder can't have the ball in his hands, which allowed Chris Paul to play with the ball in his hands more and kind of take that game over. That's extremely interesting. I think you actually hit both points right there, on, like on the head. Um, yeah, but it's interesting because we we don't both. know why, right? Right. And like maybe we'll see. You know, my, my personal opinion is they're about to get their ass beat three games in a row out in Los Angeles. Well, two in Los Angeles and once back home, just because those matchups really, really suck for the Thunder as right. far as personnel and size and all that kind of stuff. But I'd be interested to know, like, was Billy just riding the hot hand or was it a size thing or, you know, wh- why did they run with Ferguson? And obviously we saw running with Ferguson allowed Chris and Shea to, to initiate more offense and not have Schroeder yeah. initiate the Completely offense. Completely open up the floor. That's a great point. Any more th- thoughts on Philly, guys? So one- one thing that I found interesting about this game, um, and there, outside of like the huge, the size disadvantage that we thought that the Thunder would have going into this, um, were free throws. The Thunder were 35 of 41 from the free throw line. 
That's 35 extra points, which is ginormous when you compare that to the, to the Sixers only shooting 22. And I found this stat that the Thunder tweeted out at the end of the game really interesting. Um, I combined 23 for 23 from the free throw line between Gallo and CP3. That's the first time in OKC history that two players were perfect from the free throw line with 10 plus attempts each. So when you take into consideration that the Thunder got, what, like 19 more free throws <laughs> than the Sixers did? Uh, which led to nine less fouls. I think right there is like a, a major indicator of um, that second half and, and how the Thunder re- were really kind of able to, to get, ahead, get ahead there in overtime and keep it close going into the fourth quarter. Definitely. And Kamir and I talked about this while watching the game live. It seemed like MB just didn't really care in this one. Yeah. He wasn't rotating over. He wasn't trying to block shots. He wasn't being aggressive. It just seemed like he was just kind of going through the motions, which was – a little interesting. It's because um, Russ wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. didn't have, didn't have motivation. That beef was gone. <laughs> maybe yeah. he started. Maybe Baisley started some beef with him with that dunk. Who knows? Chris uh, Paul doesn't eat beef. That's a good point. That's true. Indeed. Well, speaking of Darius Baisley, I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but today on Sunday, the Oklahoma City Thunder on their website, on their social media platforms, they have dropped a six-minute video of a cook-off between Darius Baisley. I, I, I'm assuming this was uh, started because of Baisley's Chef Bay's Insta post. Yes. His Instagram live. Uh, so they did a Baisley versus Deontay Burton cook-off. Um, they both had 30 minutes to cook a dish. It was at the Thunder facility uh, with the help of some of the chefs. And then they had Hamadou Diallo judge the two dishes it ended up with Darius Baisley winning I think Baisley made um some dirty rice with some uh some spicy chicken and Burton made uh spaghetti with chicken in it uh, and some garlic toast and so it was a uh, it was a funny little video um Chef Bays cracks me up so but that leads me to want to ask you guys because now I'm curious what is the best dish that you can make and, like, you can't go, like, a cheap-ass answer here, like, oh, I can make ramen noodles or Pop-Tarts or some cereal. shit. Like, you know, I, I make some really good cereal. Like, what is a legitimate <laughs> dish that you're good at making, Taylor? So I don't I do not do much, like, cooking, like, um, Taylor says on the stove work. or anything. Misogynist. I, we got I a misogynist on the misogynist. podcast. <laughs> but, oh, and actually, Summer really, she loves to cook, and she's really good at uh, something uh, she, so really she enjoys doing. I like going and helping her. She tells you that? Yeah. Do what? Does she tell you that? Yeah, no, no, she did. She does. Yeah, um, she did. <laughs> she, she did. Um, but I love to grill. So, like, I try and grill fairly frequently. Um, my burgers are really good. And my, my grilled chicken is really, really good, too. I have really good seasoning. I so bet I think Taylor that's... grills while wearing, like, white New Balances and jorts. <laughs> you wear a fucking <laughs> you sweater do. around your neck. I go, yes. He's got a yes. hat on as he flips the burgers. You want cheese on this one, sport? <laughs> Got my like little it's the glasses only way going. To do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I love to grill. I'd probably go. With, okay, like, so Taylor's going with hamburgers. Is that accurate, Taylor? Yeah, yeah, or either that or grilled chicken. Probably tied. Grilled chicken sounds good. Okay, very good. Justin, what's the best thing you can cook? <sighs> well, I was gonna go grilling as well um, <laughs> because I I can grill a mean steak, Ooh. and it's it's hard to beat. But if we're going to talk about actual, like, more than one ingredient recipes, um, I make a good chicken taco that goes 
sit it in the uh, crock pot all day, get it nice and tender, shred it up, put it in tortillas with some queso fresco, and it's muy fabuloso. <laughs> That's pretty good. That, that sounds, sounds Taylor's, solid. Or Justin's been living in Texas for too long. <laughs> Nick, what's the best thing you can cook up? Well, I was going to say... Uh, I have a buffalo chicken taco recipe that's pretty good, but since Justin already said chicken tacos, um, <laughs> I've got a pretty solid barbecue chicken tostada recipe that I actually need to make more often because I haven't made it in a few months, so maybe I'll do that for dinner mm-hmm. tomorrow, but it's pretty good. All right, very good. Komiar, what's the best thing you can cook? The best thing I can cook? Uh, give me a... Fajitas, man. Okay, like some fajitas. Fajitas. And then grilling up in, like, you know, sauteing and stuff. And then you put it in the chicken. But you can't just put in, like, regular white, dried chicken and just expect it to go all well with, you know, the peppers and onions and stuff like that. You need to, like, actually spice your food. And it bugs me when I go to Thanksgiving on the white side of my family because <laughs> nobody puts any spices in their food. Pepper? Miss Pepper's too spicy. Yeah, exactly. Like pa- paprika. That's good. Somebody, somebody will put in some paprika every once in a while. I'm like, wow, you are bold. Cultured. Yeah, uh, so, uh, but yes, like I, I throw all <laughs> kinds of stuff in there. And um, cayenne pepper and just like, a, I don't know, just like a ton of things. Like the other day I was grilling chicken. Like, um, and I was like, you know what? I'd rather do something else with this. So... I uh, I kind of I didn't really fry it per se, but you know, I got in the kitchen, put it in like a pan, put a little oil in it, and then I put some cayenne pepper, uh, some paprika, salt pepper, and then I put a bunch of honey in there, and I just like let that stuff like settle, and just like cooked it like that and let it sit, and uh, it when I came out to eat, it was great, and then when, and then I had leftovers like two days. And that was amazing too. Reheating it in the honey, that's so good. Very I nice. Like that. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. Mine. I don't think it's a cop out. Kind of along the line of of Taylor's. Uh, maybe not like cooking up a dish, but I am pretty good at smoking meat. Uh, oh, I can make some really good counts. ribs. I make some really really good pulled pork. Um, some good chicken. So I like to, you know, get a couple of slabs of ribs. Make a make a rub. Put those things in the smoker for like three or four hours. How often do you rub the meat? Uh, pretty often. I'm a fan <laughs> of rubbing the meat. Um, You're still talking about ribs? Yeah. Okay. Rub that thing. Slap a little bit on there. Tenderize it. Let it sit for a bit. Rub it some more. It's uh, it's pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Oh, all right. Um, but hey, I gotta say that stuff that Basley cooked up did look pretty good. It uh, did. It, 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 it looked did. pretty good. So, well, guys, I think the only thing left I have to, to bring up about the thunder for our thunder themes, our last one. I figured today we could do some trades, and the the hot name right now that everyone talks about trading from the thunder is Danilo Gallinari, and so I don't want to beat a dead horse. That's an interesting phrase as well. Like, where did that phrase come from? I always wondered that. Maybe yeah. they shot the horse and it didn't die, so they just started beating the crap out of it. Why not just shoot it again? Because <laughs> they ran out of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> he brought one bullet to the job. Didn't get it done. 
Uh, that makes me sad. I like horses. You ever? Wa- I sometimes I watch movies where there's like a big battle scene and they're all on horseback. Yeah, it always makes me sad because the horses die. Like, man, he didn't sign up for this shit. Like Game of Thrones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. they're just good boys. Good boys. All right. Well, so today we are going to trade Dennis Schroeder. So we all have a Dennis Schroeder trade. We'll all throw our trades out, and then we'll see which one is the best. So, but before. We trade Dennis Shooter. We got to listen to Trade Sounder. Magical! Hey, no way! I'll trade you my level 2 magic card for your Charizard! Deal! It's a disaster. Take trading, disaster. Yes. I was going to mention it, but you, you remember that a boy. Always a good sounder. It's got Donald Trump. It's got Pikachu. My president. <laughs> it's got Munchables. Justin, what's your uh, your... Dennis Schroeder trade. Das trade uh, for Schroeder. I have Dennis Schroeder heading out to Orlando. In return, the Thunder receive Evan Fournier and a future first-round pick. Oh, wow. Okay. I think Orlando says no to that. I don't think they give up the first. Is that crazy? Am I crazy? No, no, no. I I think. It's putting a lot of stock in Markel Fultz. True. Because yeah. the only other point guard they have is DJ Augustine. Yeah. True. Okay. But he has been playing well, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, hey, Fultz played tonight, uh, had a pretty good game too. I think he had 16 points at the half on, like, perfect, like, 6 of 6 or 7 of 7 shooting. So he had yeah, a pretty had a good night. game against the Wizards, yeah. Okay, so Justin has Schroeder for a first and Evan Fournier. Kamiar, what is your Dennis Schroeder trade? You know what I did? You said you don't want to talk about Gallinari trades, but in this deal, I packaged Gallinari inside of this trade. And so it's with the usual team, uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers, the one that OKC is like, talking about trading to the entire time. And so I've got Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, a 2022 second-round pick of the Thunder going to the Blazers in return for the following. Hassan Whiteside and Bazemore, who are both on one-year deals. And then a uh, 2023 first-round pick. And then a 2022 second-round pick. Okay, so so Bays and Whiteside in a first for Schroeder and Gallinari, and both teams are swapping seconds. That's correct. Okay, interesting. That gets, interesting, get, yeah. that gets the Thunder off a lot of money, too. It gets... Um, because the, both those, that Whiteside and Baysmore contract both expire after this year, so the Thunder would probably be under the... Lug, or not only under the tax, I'll obviously be under the tax next year. But that would put them under the salary cap as well. It also gets the Trailblazers off a lot of money. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Taylor, what is your Dennis Schroeder trade? So this one isn't like sexy by any means, but I feel like it's fairly realistic and probably something um, similar to what I think the Thunder will be able to get in return for Schroeder. So I have Dennis Schroeder going to a team out in Minnesota, the Timberwolves, to play alongside Carl. Carl no way. I thought you were going with the other Minnesota team. Yeah. <laughs> you know that the links um in return I don't know how start there either yeah but, okay 
<laughs> in return, the Thunder would get Jeff's, Jeff Teague's uh, expiring, essentially, plus a 2022 second-round pick, which I believe will be the double draft year. And this one I like because it's the best, the better of like Phil, uh, the Philadelphia Sixers pick, and then there's one other team too. Um, anyways, I thought that Shooter on Minnesota would give them another ball handler alongside another creator, alongside obviously Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins, who's actually been really good this year, um, and kind of give them a true point guard while the Thunder would get that expiring in return, as well as an additional uh, second round pick that could be pretty valuable if if that is going to be the the double draft or whatever where high schoolers can come in and then uh without having to go to college for sure just or sorry not justin nick what's your trade you guys are gonna hate mine but in my trade dennis schroeder is going to detroit i'm sending him there for a return package of tony snell thon maker and a 2021 first round pick. Interesting, huh? Yeah, that's uh that's an interesting one. I don't hate it because you get the first rounder. And, and that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Thon yeah. Maker is actually 35 years old. He's playing Thon's playing pretty good for him too. He's, he's actually 40 years old. Um, you're just going to keep <laughs> going up by fives. <laughs> 45 years old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my Dennis Schroeder trade. It's not a sexy one, uh, kind of like Taylor's, but I think it's realistic. I have Schroeder uh, going to the Washington Wizards for C.J. Miles, who is an expiring contract of $8 million, Ish Smith, and a second-round pick in 2020, this next coming-up draft. So it, it saves the, money, the Thunder money long-term. Uh, because that shooter deal is still for two years. So it saves them money, uh, and it also gets them a 2020 second-round pick, just because I don't think anybody is going to be willing to give up a first-round pick for Schroeder. But I could be wrong. Um, I just think that one's the most realistic one. So if you guys have to vote, which of these five do you like the most? Uh, Just to recap, Justin has Schroeder to Orlando for a first-round pick, and Fournier... Kamiar has Schroeder plus Gallo plus a second round pick to Portland for Whiteside, Bazemore, and a first round pick. Um, Taylor, what was Taylor's again? Oh, uh, Jeff Teague and a Jeff, 2022 Jeff Teague, second. Yeah, Jeff Teague and a 22 second. Um, Nick's is Schroeder for Snell. For what? Who was the other player in that uh, deal? Thon Maker. Thon Maker. Thon Maker and a first rounder in this coming draft. The the one after that, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one, and then mine was Schroeder for C.J. Miles, for Ish Smith and a twenty twenty second rounder. So if you guys got to vote, which one do you like the most? Hmm. I'll go with Kamiars. I think that makes sense for both sides, especially if. Nurkic can come back later on this year. I, I honestly don't know what his timeline is, but if he's able to come back healthy, their need for Whiteside will go down. They could bring on two big-time scores in Schroeder and Gallinari. And but they're already bringing one on in Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. We'll get to that in a few minutes, all right? <laughs> Pump but, the brakes there, buddy. I, mean, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good trade. I'm not patting my really stuff on the back. I just found it and I thought it was really good, and I just t- tweaked it a little bit. But I think it's a good idea for, of course, for Gallinari. That makes a lot of sense. 
But I also think it makes a lot of sense to put Schroeder in there because they stagger Dame and CJ so much to where you you know those guys got to be tired and yep. like like handling the ball the entire game. So having Schroeder be able to spell one of them for you know at least ten minutes a game would help out immensely. I I agree with that. I think that's a pretty realistic trade and be big too. If that happened at trade deadline, I feel like that would surprise a lot of people. Um, I really I like that. Would put him over the edge, but it, yeah, it would definitely get them into. I you don't know. They they have some climbing to do, but it, I feel like it would get them into a, at home a home seed or a home field advantage in the playoffs. Definitely. I think I'm going to go with Knicks. Um, not because I like Thon or Maker. Um, Thon Maker, or Snell. Thon, wait, Thon or Maker. Thon Maker or Tony Snell. Sorry. Um, Thon Maker's contract is small and it runs out uh, after this year. You can offer him a qualifying offer, sign him in restricted free agency, or just let him walk. Um, Tony Snell does have another year. He's got a player option next year. Uh, but that first-round pick from Detroit in 2021 – uh, Detroit's probably going to suck next year like they suck every year. And so that could be a, a pretty valuable pick. Uh, so that's the one I'm going to go with. I like that one. I'd probably go with Kamiars also, even though he cheated and put Gall- Gallinari in there too. <laughs> Loophole. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, whichever trade for our listeners, whichever one of those five that you like the most, uh, tweet at us. Let us know. Uh, maybe we'll post a, a poll or something on Twitter, see which one people like the most. But I think Dennis Schroeder is an interesting trade candidate for this team. Uh, I think they will try to move him when they get the chance. Uh, let's go around the association, guys. But before we get there, Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about Untuck It? You guys ever seen Untucked Button Down? They look bad. Why? Because they're not supposed to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays coming up, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. You guys may not know this, but I'm six foot seven, and finding shirts that actually fit me is challenging. Uh, I usually end up having to order tall sizes online, and even then, it's kind of a crapshoot. But with Untuck It, I don't have to worry about that. They've got 50 plus fit combinations and they really look great on people that are tall like me or people that are short or slim, athletic guys, it doesn't matter. Untuck It fits your frame. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or you can check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website's super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted just to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, so typically we'd go around the association at this part of the podcast, but we're going to add a new little segment this week um, about the Oklahoma City Blue. I'm vibing over here. 
What a great sounder. That's a great I just want song. the time machine back yeah. to I the full early 65. Boys. I haven't listened to this song since like the 90s. <laughs> Still gets me going. It's in my workout playlist. I can totally it's see that. Kamiar's ringtone. <laughs> it is. So the Oklahoma City Blue had their first home game of the season Saturday night against the Westchester Knicks. And the Blue won 130 to 114. A couple Thunder players on assignment down with the Blue. Justin Patton started along with Deontay Burton. Uh, Lou Dort got some burn. Obviously, uh, Dort, two-way guy with with the Thunder and the Blue uh, rookie this year. And Devin Hall got a lot of burn as well. So a lot of possible Thunder contributors maybe in the next couple of years getting some play with the Oklahoma City Blue. Um, and I thought they all played really good. The Blue had seven – no – Eight players in double figures, I believe. Seven or eight players in double figures. Um, all all pretty pretty consistent scoring. It wasn't like... So, on the first blue game of the season, Lou Dort had 35 points. And there wasn't anybody who, who had like an abundance of points in this game, even though they scored 130 points. It was an actually really, really balanced scoring night. Sounds a lot like the Thunder lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and actually... Justin Patton kind of talked about post game how the the transition from working with the Thunder in practice and in training camp and going to the Blue is a pretty seamless transition. Uh, it, it's something that he is very very used to. I actually have the audio here real quick, so let's uh, let's take a listen to that. Um, just playing. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of time uh, on a on a court, and just like. It's the same thing here at Thunder. It's the same type of uh, situation as transparency as far as the plays and how, what, what would I do up there and down here. So just playing and getting the feeling for the game and where I'm going to be on the floor and getting reps and getting growing with the team. We're all here to get better. And that's, that's the goal. So You know that that's never been the case since Russ or KD has been there, that it's a, that it's a seamless transition, unless you're Andre Robertson. And, like, didn't – wasn't the blue or whatever they were called? Weren't they in Tulsa at the first part of Andre Robertson's the career? 66ers. Yeah. Tulsa yeah, 66ers. That's what, I, that's what I thought. And so, like, but Dre's role is just play defense, play the hell out of the ball, and not actually anything on offense. You know, for any other offensive player, that going from the G League team to the actual being called up to the actual NBA team, that their play style was completely different with Russ and KD and Russ and PG and Russ and anybody, just Russ. It's completely different from the G League to now, and which what blows my mind is that somebody like, like Lou Dort, who's like, like the dude's built like a freaking linebacker, by the way. Dude, seeing he him really up close, is. like that's legit. He is he's big. He is yoked. Yeah, like like this man spends a lot of time in the weight room, but it's a it's amazing to me that how he can drop nearly forty in the G League, and he, you get him on the court in the NBA, and this man is gonna get his crap swatted at the rim, and he's gonna look kind of a fish out of water it's unbelievable that the jump you take from the g league to the nba and people don't realize like you like we talk crap on abdul nader and i bet abdul nader would light it up in g league and i bet oh, yeah. he would light it up overseas so it's just unbelievable to me yeah matter, and so matter of you fact bring, i think nader was the g league player of the year a couple of years back i think yeah yeah like that's crazy to, to think about the, yeah. the jump from g league to nba is that wide and i'm not, I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, holy crap, that's that's a that's a very real thing to where, like, yeah, it makes sense why players they would rather go play in Australia or overseas 
and get paid until 2023 when it's the double draft instead of going to G League and then going to the NBA. Like, right, let's go play against actual pros and not go to the G League. That won't prepare you at all. Yeah, so actually you bringing that up, uh, I, I asked Dort about specifically the physicality of the G League and, and in training camp with the Thunder and how that how the physicality changes from college to there. Uh, and, and here's that quote. Is there anything different that you've noticed from college to, to now in the physicality of the game? Like, obviously, you, you have a good base already, but have you noticed anything with the physicality of the game being different? Oh, uh, I'm going to say, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just older guys, big guys. and well, I'm, It's just one of the things I, I need to adjust. It was like that in college. I had to adjust it to the physicality in college, and now I just got to do it again. Very good. So I, th- I thought it was interesting that he, he mentioned, you know, he already experienced that jump once. High school to college was a jump in play and physicality and something he had to get used to. And he's he's experiencing that same thing again. Um, and then whenever he goes from G League to NBA, he'll probably experience that same thing again. But somebody had asked me on Twitter and like how, how I see Lou Dort and will he contribute for the Thunder. And to me, Lou Dort is very similar in play style and idea as Hamadou Diallo. Maybe not as athletic, close to almost as athletic. He threw down a sick dunk coming down the lane the other night. I, I had that he, pulled he got, up. I mean, it's incredible. His head was, was above the rim. Yeah, he, he, he can elevate. He is very physical. He reminds me of like a high athlete driven on defense uh, and can't shoot the ball, kind of like Hamadou Diallo. He's a Thunder player. Yep. Sam yep. Presti guy. That's yep. a pretty good comparison. I mean... He's gonna be. He's he's replacing. He's gonna replace Deontay Burton because Deontay Burton slimmed down, and I feel like that has taken away from some of the things he's been able to do. Like OKC okay, wanted to, Deontay Burton to work at the four, and then like he slimmed down to where he can't play the four. So then now he's stuck at the two three, and like Dort, this man, he's like what nineteen twenty. Well, he yeah. just he only had one year at Arizona State. So like that idea that he's saying how he's having to get used to the physicality. This man is bigger than the players he was playing against in high school and college. And so like him getting used to like just getting bumped and nicked. I mean, I think he has the opportunity to fill in a, a uh, Deontay, Bur- Deontay Burton role because he can actually ball handle. He can get to the hole. Uh, Burton, he's physical athlete but i mean the man's like 25 years old so yeah who are you gonna go with? it's like you have the same thing but one of them six years younger you know so yeah. there, the room for yeah, growth there is so much more stronger like yeah deontay was a thick boy uh you have you have lou dort who is thick but like that dude is just like straight muscle like yeah he's in the gym 24 7 he's he's crazy big last thing about the blue i want to talk about real quick guys i had forgotten this rule until i got to the game and I was like, what the heck? The blue, or not the blue, but the whole G League has implemented the rule of you only take one free throw. If you get fouled on a layup and the ball does not go in, you take one free throw that's worth two points. Oh, they're they're doing the yeah, ice it, cube stuff. If you yeah, pull up for three, three and you get fouled and you don't make the shot, you take one free, free throw for three points. Yep. And it stays like that until the final two minutes of the game. And then you take your normal amount of free throws. Um, but it was interesting. The The OKC Blue started 5 of 5 from the free throw line for a total of like 12 points. That is that's, interesting. That's kind of like when the XFL a long time ago started introducing new things, especially like the overhead camera in the stadium in the NFL said, hey, that's a good idea. 
Ice Cube and the Big Three saying, you know what, let's shorten this game because we don't want you know three-hour games because James Harden's at the line 19 times. Let's just do a one-and-done sort of deal. And I think that's a – I really think it's a good idea. So you like it? What are the, oh, the rest of you guys – do, do the rest of you guys like that idea? I like it. I like it. Spe- I, I always enjoy speeding up pace of play, you know, just because it makes it more fun and entertaining. But it certainly could – I don't know. that. In this age of load management and stuff, I mean, in-game rests are honestly so important. Between timeouts um, and free throws are a big part of that, right? So getting that opportunity to have another shot – Helps players rest up a little bit, and I I, I don't know you can kind of get into injuries and it allows me to injuries. go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's true, and gives fans a little bit of a break. <laughs> it lets as me well. go get some more Oreos out of the kitchen. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know. I I like the idea behind it. Justin, you I, said you like it as well. I I do like it. I like how the the pace of play speeds up. The question I have is coming down to the end of the game. I almost don't like that it reverts back. I get why they're doing it. And and going that route of under two minutes, it goes back to kind of traditional free throw shooting. But I, I kind of like would would like to see it stay that way all game. Think about like the the clutch free throws at the end of the game, how much more it changes the dynamic of fouling players to, to try and extend a game. If now you can't, you know, hit one out of two free throws, it's all or nothing. I think that that could up the drama to close out a game quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, on games, yeah, games where you're fouling to get the ball back and you foul and you're hoping that they split the pair at the line, they put up a bad free throw. That That's a uh, just a – I mean, they, they get no points. It's right. huge. You know, it, or like if, you ha- if you're forced to inbound the ball to somebody who's not a great free, free throw shooter, it kind of ups the importance of that. It just changes the whole dynamic. I think it would be interesting. Yeah. Very. So, so it was fascinating. It was really fascinating. I forgot that the G League was doing that. And um, so it was interesting to watch. I I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, I kind of like it, and then I'm also kind of a traditionalist as well. So it was interesting, though. All right, well, enough about the G League. Let's talk about the rest of the NBA. Hold on. I got to get my sounder up. You're doing so well, too. I That's know. what makes me <laughs> most frustrated. <laughs> What a good sounder. Sorry it took me a while to get that one loaded up. All right, the lead that we've buried this entire podcast is the Portland Trailblazers have signed frickin' Carmelo Anthony to a non-guaranteed deal after their 4-8 and eight start. Who, me? Who, me? They want me to come off the bench. Hey, <laughs> P. Hey, P. They want me to come off the bench. Yeah, because you're fat and slow, you piece of crap. I ain't sacrificing <laughs> no bench roll. If only they would have asked me, I would have been so understanding. (laughs) What? Like, what is that? Get that out of here, Mello. Jeez. How do you guys feel about Mello in Portland? He'll lose some weight because of the vegan diets. Yeah, that's right. Being up there, yeah, in in Portland. Um, I think he's going to suck, personally. I think it's going to be bad. I think he's sucked since he... His end of the career with the Knicks and with the Thunder, so yep. <laughs> that trend would continue. It's Houston, pretty low risk Houston got two weeks in and was like, "Yeah, now we'd rather <laughs> you just wait. not be around anymore." Yeah. And now Portland has an excuse as to why they are not good. Yeah, 
Are you ready for me to be me? I'm ready for oh, you I'm to be so, you. I'm so ready for this. <clears throat> so, Carmelo Anthony, what you know on the Thunder and in the later part of his um, true NBA career before he was reinstated or whatever, um, was on a huge contract. Was expected to, you know, score all these points, do the things he'd done all of his career. Even in Houston, you know, he wasn't on that huge deal, but I think he was still expected to be like a primary scorer. Um, I think on this non-guaranteed deal in Portland where he can truly be the fourth or fifth scorer, his role is going to be completely different. If he's truly able to adapt and play within his role, um, I, I don't think he's a guy that can then hurt them. Obviously, his defense is going to be bad, but you know, in the modern NBA, I feel like everybody is judged based on their contract. If you've got a guy making 25 mil a year, you're expecting him to do this. But if the same guy was on a two million dollar contract, you know, your expectations are much lower. So, based on his contract, his role, uh, I mean, worst case scenario, he's a, a future Hall of Famer in your locker room to be around some of these young guys. I'll never forget when I was talking about the offseason before Paul George re-signed with the Thunder. In my, like, I thought like the last thing I thought would happen to Paul George re-sign with OKC, but and I thought the first thing that would happen is Paul George signs elsewhere, like the Clippers, and then Melo comes back, and they're like, we have the, this Melo renaissance as far as like his post-up game and him actually like playing really well, and then of course we know the story. Paul George comes back to OKC before demanding a trade. And then Melo gets picked up by the Rockets and Daryl Morey. And then <laughs> he gets cut like in six games in. Yeah. And Nick, kind of what you were saying there, my thing is Melo as a fourth or fifth scorer, the only way Melo has been a good offensive player is off of volume. He's not an efficient scorer. He never has been. He's been a volume scorer. So if he's your fourth or fifth option, he's not going to get the volume shots. And a lot of people have said, oh, give him uh, a 15-minute roll off the bench and he'll be all right. You know what's going to happen in those 15 minutes that he's on the floor? I guarantee you they're play he's going to play maybe Tuesday night against the Pelicans. I would be shocked if not 75% of the possessions that he's on the court, they target him shots. in the pick and roll and go at it every single freaking time. I, I want you to picture something for me. Okay. Picture him in a role in Portland that's similar to a Dennis Schroeder or a Lou Williams where when you're on the court with the bench unit, you've got the green light. You know He's not going to shoot 25 shots a game like he has at some points in his career, but when you're out there with the bench unit, you can you can let it fly. Whenever you're out there with the other guys, you got to tone it down a bit. See, yeah. I... I'm going to look up a stat real quick. Does someone else have something they want to talk about, Carmelo? I just Anthony? don't. I don't think he's as, um, like you said, Jacob. He needs the volume to score, and even if he has the green light, I don't think he can turn it on anymore as much as a guy like Lou will. Like Lou will's so perfectly suited for that role. I don't think. I don't think Melo can do it. I, I saw a quote from somebody, and I'm going to butcher it, but. It was a Portland executive that basically said, you know, one of the things they wanted to hear from Melo was that he has a desire to contribute to help the team to win. And it's like, that's nice. Didn't he basically say the same thing for the Thunder? Like, I'm going to do whatever right. the team needs. And then he said the same thing with Houston. And it's 
desire is one thing, but I think actual ability to impact winning and losing is something else. And I don't know that he has that part anymore. So I want you to think about this too. So whenever he said that coming to Oklahoma city, he was still, you know, somewhat of a hot commodity when the thunder traded for him. It was like a big trade. Whereas now he's experienced being out of the league, you know, not wanted, you know, all these teams have had a chance to sign him over the past year and a half and nobody has, um, I guess it wouldn't be a year and a half, but, but since he got cut by the Rockets, nobody's, nobody's signed him. So I think that's a humbling experience. I think that his words saying, you know, I, I just want to help this team mean a little differently than they, they did back when he said that when traded to Oklahoma city. Um, I also want to ask the question to kind of open this up to you guys. What would you consider a successful signing for Melo? Like what, what, what would a stat line be for Melo that you would consider, Hey, you know what? That was a good sign by Portland. Then I would consider that successful. So first the, the humbling thing, that is a really good question, but the humbling thing, this is the same dude that whenever there was the rumor that he was going to get traded, went on Insta and quoted duck sick as he was sipping wine in New York city. So, (laughs) Maybe he's been humbled. He's I don't got know. A pet duck that was sick. Boy. <laughs> so I don't think he can get humbled, but no amount of humbling makes those feet move quicker. I don't know. I think that right. He's slow as shit, regardless if he's humbled right. or not. That, I so. think that him begging me. on Twitter, not understanding why nobody wants to sign him. I think it's a pretty good sign of you being humbled. When does nobody want me to play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, again, he did his like media tour. Yeah. 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 Hum- humbling yeah. isn't going to make those feet move quicker, right? Um, it's true. So, what stat line would be good? Oh man, that's for crazy. him to uh, to be a, a quality signing. So, in Oklahoma City, um, he shot forty percent from the field, thirty five percent from three, uh, and he's had sixteen points on fifteen shots. So, volume scoring. Um, I think he would have to be something like chipping in. 10 to 12 points a night on five to six shots and not hemorrhaging points defensively. Right. Um, and maybe he can, he can do that offensively. He can get fouled. Uh, he can strictly be catch and shoot, uh, not shoot those mid range ISO pull-ups. I just, I don't see how they're going to survive defensively when you have Dame CJ and Carmelo Anthony on the court. White side I, I, I don't see it. I would matter. just go at Carmelo every single time and get a bucket every single time. Down. Right. I think the first – you brought up a good point, Jacob. I was going to say the first stat that I would look at and that I will be looking at is his catch-and-shoot possessions compared to his uh, ISO possessions because if he can keep the ISO possessions to a minimum and can space the four for CJ and Dame and even some of the bigger guys like Whiteside down low, um, that's going to be really big for Portland on the offensive end. But like you said, none of that really matters if he can't step up and play – respectable defense you know even just borderline defense <laughs> just it, it, so i don't know I, I i'm definitely am very curious to see his his iso possessions um they're going to need him to spot up from three they don't need him as mid-range pull-ups it, it's going to have to be from the three-point line he's going to have to play analytic basketball you're either shooting right. threes or you're shooting the ball right at the rim i mean exactly. that's not his game but i honestly i think something that would be that would be respectable for me anyways that I would say, hey, Melo's actually doing pretty well in Portland, would be like eight and five. 
Yeah, he's got to hit the glass. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, they good, have no size on that team. Very good point. They're going to have to get rebounds. Like eight, seven, seven to nine points, four to six rebounds, um, like three to four, get the fuck out of here is on the glass. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be good for me. So yeah. So go, going back to, to Jacobs, because it kind of stood out to me. So you said 10 to 12 points on five to six shots. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that – in my opinion, that, that this is part of the problem with Melo is like the unreal expectations. So I just pulled up guys in the league this year that are averaging anywhere from five, six, seven uh, shot attempts per game, and there is nobody that averages even nine points on that few shot attempts. You know Jacob having unrealistic expectations. Wow. So I'm, I'm just saying, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. You, you would like him to be an efficient scorer, but I feel like the expectations that people put forth are are just too much. I mean, in my so so to answer my own question, I think if he shot thirty five percent from three and sixty five percent of his shots were three point shots, and he averaged say. 11 points a game, I think that would be considered successful. That would absolutely. What worries me is the amount of shots he would have to take to get to 11 points. But I'm with you. I think that would be huge. Yeah, and it also, I mean, getting more analytic here, he also has to provide gravity, right? Because, like, it doesn't matter how good uh, Andre Robertson shoots from three. No one's ever going to step out and guard it, right? Right. And so if he can provide some spacing offensively for them, uh, even if he's not hitting the shots, that's at least somewhat helpful. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. So he's on a non-guaranteed deal. By the time the trade deadline comes around, is Melo still on this team? Yes or no? Yeah. No. I think so. I think so. I think he is too. I don't think I they think have an option. Gonna, they think they're going to get rid of Whiteside pretty quickly. I mean, all if push comes to shove, they can just sit him. And yeah. he can. it doesn't really matter. He can throw a pissy fit. It's not really going to affect the locker room there. I don't really think at this point um, they'll essentially just isolate them. Kind of like they do have Houston. a good locker room culture up there right. with Dame and right. CJ. Dame. Okay, yep. real quick, I'm going to go through a list of players. I want all of you guys just to say yes or no. Uh, we'll go in the order of Kamiar, then Taylor, then Justin, then Nick. I'm going to give you a player, and then you guys all say yes or no on if you would take this player over Carmelo Anthony. First one up, Patrick Patterson. Oh man, that's a good question. That is. Um, <laughs> the Thunder had this question. Yeah, the Thunder had this a question. year and a half ago, and they very deliberately answered it. I mean, like, yeah, on defense you'd rather have Patrick Patterson, but on offense, Melo still gives you the opportunity that something Patrick Patterson can't. Yeah. And so, like, it just it just depends on what kind of team you're running. And if Portland has CJ Dame. They're going to get Nurk back. Uh, they want Gallinari, or they want a stretch four, but a high-quality one, and they're willing to give up some assets for it. I mean, it, dep- it depends on what what you want. If it's OKC, that they're playing hard-nosed defense, and that's going to be their identity again, you get Patrick Patterson. But if you're a team like the Lakers or the Trailblazers who are just going to score a ton of points or try to, you probably go with Fermelo. All right. Um, who do I say have the next one? Taylor. Yep. Taylor. Luke and Bob Mute, who is currently not in the league. I'm I'm going Melo there. I think Melo can contribute contribute a little more, even if you know not as much defensively. I'm still going Melo. All right, Justin. Melo or Taj Gibson? 
100% Taj Gibson. Yeah, I love Taj Gibson. Yep. I really enjoy Taj. Uh, Nick, Corey Brewer or Carmelo Anthony? Carmelo Anthony. Corey Brewer. You don't want the drunken <laughs> dribbler? Drunken dribbler, yes. <laughs> I do not. I have things to say about comparisons to the drunken dribbler, but I'm just going to stay silent for now. <laughs> Call me our Czech Diallo or Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, because I don't know who Czech Diallo is. I knew he, I knew he played for the Pelicans for a while, and I thought it was really, really interesting that w- one night you had both Diallos on the floor, and that was cool. But I'm going Melo because, of course, not many people know Czech Diallo's name for a reason. That is true. Czech Diallo is shooting a perfect 100% from the floor this season. Does he have one shot attempt? Uh, Eight. Yeah. He gets 0.7 field goal attempts a game. Perfect. Yep. Uh, next one, Taylor, Mello or Udonis Haslam? I love Haslam, and even if Mello is potentially washed, Haslam is definitely washed at this point. This will be his last year in the league, so I'm going Mello. Justin, Mello or Ryan Anderson? I'm going Mello here too. Similar to Taylor, I think Anderson is um, way, way past his window of contributions. Sounds like you're talking about Carmelo Anthony. uh all right um last one no i have two more so nick you get this one call me i get the last one no i'm taking the last one screw all you guys nick (laughs) carmelo anthony or marquise chris see your thought process on your face i'm taking marquise chris he's been quite pitiful up to this point this season however he's in his early 20s he's a former lottery pick if you're a team like the Thunder, and I know this isn't Thunder-based, but a lot of teams are like this. You got a chance at a young guy that maybe has some upside or Carmelo Anthony, who is obviously a short-term option. You're going to go Marquise Chris. All right, the last one that I'm taking, Carmelo Anthony or Abdul Nader. I'm taking the roster spot. I'm taking the (laughs) roster I'm not taking either of them. I'm taking the (laughs) roster spot. That's awesome. So cash consideration. Moral yeah. of the story. Moral of the I'd story rather have is, Andre Robertson with his amputated leg. Th- <laughs> there is there's plenty of guys in the league that Carmelo Anthony is better than or that you would rather have, which is why it was kind of shocking it took so long for somebody to finally sign him. But after looking at the Blazers stats, you know, right after the signing, looking at how how much of a desperation mode they're in, Scalabus is averaging 4.6 points on exact same field goal attempts and um I'll be surprised Mario if Mello 5.7 on 5.6 attempts. So they the scores they currently have in that position are not efficient either. I I will be surprised if Melo averages more points per shot attempts. I mean but but exactly no that's probably a good point but the guys they currently have in place with the Zach Collins injury are also not doing that. Yeah. So it's All right, like, let's move on from Carmelo Anthony. We've talked way too much about Carmelo Anthony. Let's talk about the NBA MVP. Uh, NBA.com has recently released their MVP rankings, their top five from this past week. And it is, in order, Giannis Antetokounmpo, number one. LeBron James is number two. James Harden, number three. Kemba Walker, number four. And Pascal Siakam, Number five. You guys agree with those rankings? Anything jump out at you there? 
Surprise someone's in there. Surprise someone's not in there. Hmm. I'll be honest. I I thought another Laker would be in there. You think so? I thought they. I thought Anthony Davis would be in on it. That's a good question. I mean, I'm just really happy that I drafted Pascal Siakam with the third pick of my. Dude, he's my freaking good. And he is freaking good. Y'all. I mean, you guys have seen these stats of Siakam yeah. from two years ago versus Siakam now. It's like ungodly. Well, you know. Some of us had faith in what the Raptors were doing um, during the offseason after PG left. Not PG, Kawhi left, same player, whatever. Um, And uh, some of us didn't. So, you know, the Raptors are just fine right now. Touche. Like some people said on this podcast. Touche. Why don't you just at me next time, buddy? (laughs) Uh, Siakam currently 26 points a game, seven re or sorry, 8.7 rebounds, four assists, nearly a steal and a block. 35% 35% from three. He's good, man. Anybody else have any surprises on that that MVP ranking? Not surprises necessarily. I think uh, definitely impressed by Giannis. Um, Harden, not so much. It's just the Harden conversation has gotten exhausting, probably more exhausting than the Russell Westbrook conversation was at times. And so if I think about being a Houston fan and having to defend both Harden and Westbrook, that sounds like the most exhausting fandom that there could be. I mean, Kemba is a name that's kind of surprising, right? Like, like I think that has, do you think that has more to do with Boston's record? It's just like, look at the list, look at who doesn't belong. Giannis, LeBron, Harden, even Siakam, we thought maybe could, be a potential candidate because he's really improved, but I mean, Siakam's kind of a surprise guy a little bit, but Kemba, Kemba is like the ultimate guy that's like, he's an afterthought, like in the NBA or like in fantasy basketball, but you're always glad you had him on your team because the man gets stat, the man gets stats and the man can shoot the hell out of the ball. And I always thought he was Kyrie light. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just surprising to, See him He's currently shooting 42% from three on over 10 attempts a game. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. That's okay. <laughs> 24 and a half points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal a game on 43% shooting, only 41% from the field, though. It's kind of impressive. If you, if you had to pick an MVP today, who is it? Giannis. Giannis. Hmm. Could Giannis – has anyone <laughs> in the NBA history won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same year? I would assume so. It feels like something that's been done before, but I can't tell you who. Michael Jordan maybe, or maybe Giannis. Oh, in the same year though? Yeah, same year. Maybe Michael Jordan. I don't know though. Jordan became the uh, first Jordan ever. Yeah. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon would repeat in 93-94. Is there you go? That's pretty freaking good company. Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. All right, guys. Last <laughs> thing before we get out of here, uh, we've lost Taylor due to some some audio issues. So, um, did we lose Nick too? Yeah. Wow. Oh, dropping like flies three around here. Hey, three man pod. Well, hey, okay. Then us three are gonna finish up. Uh, team that has surprised you the most this season. 
Um, Justin, let's start with you. It can be a positive or a negative surprise, but what team has surprised you the most this season? Well, since Kamiar brought it up earlier, uh, the Toronto Raptors surprised me. I was not in the same boat as Kamiar. I did not think the Raptors were going to be in any kind of contention heading into this year. And so they've really stood out. I think their roster is a lot more solid than I thought. And obviously the, the evolution of Pascal Siakam, I didn't think he had another jump in him. He obviously took a big jump last year and I thought like, okay, that's great. He's a really, really great player. But I thought that was like final form Siakam probably, but he, feels like he's taken just as big of a jump this year to where he's legitimately in the MVP conversation. And it's definitely, definitely causing the Raptors to be uh, a legitimate team to be reckoned with out East. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Kamir, who do you got? I have the Atlanta Hawks, but in a bad way, because here's the deal. They're just like, there was so much hype about them over the off season and them, adding a couple of new players to the team and what Trey young was going to do in season two, which he's just been, you know, nothing short of spectacular in season two. He just picked up right where he left off and is even more efficient. It's just unreal. Um, who is it? He just completely took, he just killed the other day. Was it LMA? Um, oh all yeah. Before he yeah. killed OKC. But I mean, it's just, they've just been really bad. Like they, tonight they were losing by 20 in the first quarter and it's just it's going to be a process for them. And they have John Collins, they have Trey Young, they have a couple other guys that are like are young, but it's just like wow, that's it. That's going to be a longer process for them than I thought that it would be. You know, they looked good in the East last year, especially towards the end. They were just reeling off wins, and now it's just like back to sucking again. Yeah, um, mine is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they are over five hundred, which is good for the Phoenix Suns, uh, but a in per game, they are plus seven points per game uh, against their opponent. Uh, just really impressive stuff from the Suns. It seems that having adequate NBA players actually helps. Aaron Baines has been killing it for them. Uh, Devin Booker, uh, we know he's good, but I've always had the question of, is Devin Booker just a good player on a bad team? Uh, and, and would he actually be something really special on a winning team? Right now, he's showing us he's something special on a winning team. Devin Booker is better than Clay Thompson. Mark it down. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Do I need to play the hot take sounder on that one? I've held I mean, this stance for the longest time. He, I was going to say, I feel like we discussed he this. He can create, on... and he's so much more efficient now that he has a real point guard in Ricky yep. Rubio. I'm just saying, and nobody believed me again. <laughs> I said, man, the Raptors are going to be fine. They have Siakam and a couple of guys that step in, and Kawhi rested so often. Wait, and then I also said, right. I said, Phoenix is going to be pretty okay because they're going to get a real point guard that can run the offense, and it's not just like everybody cornering Devin Booker, and you know, it's not Devin Booker playing point guard and them cornering him. So now they have a legitimate offense to run through. Devin Booker this season, twenty-five points a game, three rebounds, six assists. Get this. 50% from the three-point line, 54% from the field. That is some That's insane wild. efficiency. He has a good point guard, and they run a good system. Monty Williams is killing it out there. Well, I wish he was still in OKC. It's very yeah. unfortunate that He's a nice that, dude. that led to his departure. He is a nice dude. Yeah, kind of sucks. Uh, all right. Well, for the two guys that actually stuck around on the podcast with me, uh, screw those other two dudes, by the way. Um <laughs> 
Any parting thoughts before we bump some outro music and get out of here? The Thunder are going to look really bad this week. It's okay if you don't watch the games. I, I second that. They play Lakers twice, Clippers once. It's going to be difficult. Two of them on the road. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch Disney+. Plus. Hey, yeah. Uh, I don't have Disney Plus yet, but oh, I've heard man. The Mandalorian's it's good. so good. The first thing I watched was the was Brink. Uh, yes. It's a great skateboard. It's not skateboarding. Roller skating movie. Team Pup and Suds. Team Pup and Suds. I'm a soul skater. And, you know, if you... Once once you start doing this stuff for cash and not for the love of the game, you, it ruins everything. Sellouts, man. Sellouts. Team Exploits. Still I the fired biggest group up, of uh, assholes ever. <laughs> I fired up Doug, and Doug is an incredible show that <laughs> watching again as a an adult, I have a totally different viewpoint on. Like, Doug... I thought Doug was Nickelodeon. No. Oh. I don't know, but I just know he's got a friend named Skeeter, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> well, so the first episode of Doug, he's getting ready for his 12th birthday, and that's wild to me because Homeboy's got a beer belly and like some male pattern baldness <laughs> nice. going on with his sweater vest. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then I did not remember that Patty Mayonnaise has like a strong like hayseed accent. Like she sounds like a hick, and I... I have no recollection of that. I don't. All. I didn't remember that either. I want to get <laughs> Disney amazing. Plus and, and check out The Mandalorian. Uh, I haven't got a chance to yet. Real good. Um, and then I want to go back and watch the Mulan. Mulan. Yes. Such an underrated, underrated. Disney movie. Top yep. five Disney movie all time for me. Mulan. Animated Disney I can't movie. go that far, but it is. Oh, okay. So real quick. Ranking time. Top five oh, animated geez. Disney movies ranked. Justin, go. That is impossible. Uh, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Um, God, I don't know who to put at five. Five is always a difficult one. Think about it. Kamiar, top five Disney animated movies. Go. In uh, order. Hey, like in order? In order. to bottom? Yeah. Uh, Aladdin. Okay. The Goofy movie. Okay. Yeah, um, good one. I hate The Little Mermaid, so The Lion King. <laughs> you put The Lion King on? Oh, no, sorry. Aladdin, Goofy Movie, Lion King. Remember The Titans? I, I said animated. Hey, Shoot. whoa. Jesus. They didn't make an animated version of that? <laughs> <laughs> How could they explain Gary Bertier getting into a car wreck? That would be awkward. <laughs> um, I, I really don't like The Little Mermaid. Like, I hate it with that passion. Um. <laughs> Uh, come back to me. Go to Justin. Okay. Well, we already did Justin. Justin, did you think oh of your number gosh. five? Oh wait, Jungle uh, Book. Jungle Book's your number ooh, four. Okay. Jungle Book's a good one. And then, I, and then, um, I just watched Aristocats for the first time of the day, and I hate it, but it's better than Little Mermaid. You, so you saying, and then reminds me of that. Uh, that Dude, that, my car. And then. Oh no. Um, and then, and then, and then, and that's and a good then, one. But no, the the video of the black kid was like. Muffkana <laughs> ham sandwich. <laughs> Justin, what's your number five? Did you think of it? Uh, five is Mulan. Oh, Mulan's hey. a good one. I, I'm you've you've won me. Good come back My top around. five: Lion King, Aladdin, Mulan, Hercules. Number mm, five is a difficult one for me Hercules. too. I might go Brave because I really enjoy Brave. I didn't like Brave. Brave's Pixar doesn't count. Yeah. Oh crap! Yeah, you suck. Um, um, 
Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, wait, is uh, is Coco Pixar? Yeah. Oh, but you know what's not Pixar? You know what is Disney? Moana. Haven't seen it. That is true. Moana's solid. It's uh, a solid choice. I don't, what's my number five if I can't choose Brave? Frozen. I do. I don't like Frozen. I heard Frozen 2 got really bad reviews, too. Yeah. Um, they, they came They came out with previews for like a week before it, the movie came out. Yeah. It's never a good sign. Oh, my God. What's my number five? I never saw Mulan 2. I can't put that. <laughs> do Aladdin 2. I don't remember Aladdin 2. About, Aladdin, King of Thieves. About some, some Peter Pan. I don't no. like Peter Pan. Makes you think Jungle Book was okay. Movie didn't age well. Alice in Wonderland? No, that movie creeped me out as a kid. That's a good one, though. It's got... He's got a caterpillar smoking a joint. <laughs> something. He's probably in Oklahoma. Yeah. It's legal now. God. Tangled? No, I didn't watch Tangled. Jeez. I know. Justin has kids, so this is easier for him. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm basically just thinking of like all the movies that my son likes to watch. Ooh. <laughs> he really likes Pixar movies though. 101 Dalmatians. Ooh. That one was okay. I'm looking up Disney okay. movies so I can figure out my fifth real quick. This is great podcasting. Let's just drag this out. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, um, I think it's finding. Oh, Finding Nemo is Pixar, isn't it? I think it? saying Pixar. um like seven times in a row is the best podcast. Our yes, I've never here. seen Princess and the Frog. No, I don't like it. I've never seen Ratatouille. Oh, Ratatouille's good. That's Pixar. Ratatouille's good, but it's uh, Pixar. I hate Tarzan. Yeah, not a big fan. Mm, not a big agreed. Fan. Ooh, okay, underrated one. Anastasia. Anastasia's not Disney, is it? It's Disney. Yeah. No, it's not. You know what we should all watch on Disney Plus is The Fox and the Hound. No, that's depressing. But hey, That's quick, a good quick, one. Quick history lesson. Anastasia's family was brutally murdered by the regime overtaking Russia after the revolution, so uh-huh. at the end of the Romanov dynasty, so... Awesome. That's what happened with her family. And she was actually likely brutally murdered in a basement with them by firing squad. Yeah, also, you know, the whenever they killed Rasputin, they cut his penis off and put it in a jar, and it's yep. still in Russia today. It's really big. They should make a Disney movie about that. Thunder yeah, up. Rasputin. <laughs> this is how we're ending the podcast, by the way. <laughs> I picked up on Thunder that. <laughs> Rasputin's penis? I feel really uncomfortable right now. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.